You know those times when you go to church with a certain expectation in your mind and you, upon arrival, you find that someone has changed the plans right out from under you. Well, I remember last week, uh, Nick stood up on stage and said he'd be preaching this week. Well, Nick's singing this week, I'm preaching. Um, so we're doing things a little bit different this week, things maybe we hadn't planned. And as we enter in our teaching time this morning, we're also going to do things just a little bit different, going to change things up a bit. You know, each week here at Fork, we uh, take a time out during our Sunday morning together, during our worship, to take a time to remember the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross for us. And we call it the Lord's Supper. We call it communion. Uh, And this morning, instead of having a time before the teaching or time after the teaching to take the elements, the bread and the the juice, um, we are going to actually be taking the Lord's Supper together today as part of the teaching. So if you're watching from home, go hit the fridge and the pantry, grab some crackers and some juice. For those of you that are in the room, oh, and keep your, your volume turned up because I'm going to keep talking. And, and you guys that are in the room, um, just uh, if, you, if you didn't grab one of the little, you know, cups of juice and cracker on the way in, the ushers are up here, faithful guys. Um, hold your hand up nice and high and they'll make sure that you have one um, as we... Uh, as we start into this, this part of our, our service. So just hold your hand up high for that. And what I'd ask all of you to do, if you got one, go ahead and just take it and hold it in your hand. Just keep it ready. It's going to be a little while before we're ready for those, but I want you just to hold on that. I want you to just to keep that, keep that piece close. Wow, you guys really need communion over there. So this week at Fork, we continue in our sermon series entitled The Hard Truths from Jesus, where we're looking at these truths that Jesus taught that said that they were part of living life in relationship to him. Truths that Jesus gave us to live by, truths that are downright hard. If you missed last week, let me remind you that you have, if you have spent much time at all reading the Bible, or maybe just a little bit of time reading the Bible, if you spent time learning about Jesus Christ and reading his teachings, you'll have figured out that there are things that Jesus said that were confusing, things that were a little mysterious, things that were hard to grasp. And that sometimes when you read the truths found in the scripture, those words of Jesus, we find his commands to be downright hard. Last week we talked about and realized that sometimes truth is hard because we're just confused when you read the Bible because the geographical area and the historical references, they're just not familiar to us. And sometimes we find a truth to be hard because we misunderstand just who Jesus is and what it is he came for, what his purpose was. And sometimes those truths are hard because we simply choose to ignore them instead of searching deep into them to pursue their meaning as it relates to our actions and our attitudes. Yet through it all, we are reminded that understanding these hard truths can lead to our changed lives. I was talking to several people after the teaching at the nine o'clock service, and the same kind of theme was over and over again, is that those truths are hard, and this truth we're going to talk about today, it's tough. And as we talked about when we began the series, it's easy to talk about those things from the scripture that make us feel warm and fuzzy and good inside, right? It's easy to talk about the lighthearted things that the Bible teaches. But we, as followers of Jesus Christ, we have to recognize that being shaped and made into the image of Christ, it goes against the natural, it goes against the normal, it goes against the popular, it goes 
against the easy. Becoming like Jesus can be downright hard. And you and I, when we encounter the truths, especially these hard truths of of Jesus, we have to be careful because if we are not, we can easily become discouraged by these teachings. We can look for an easy way out. We can be tempted to give up on following after Jesus. But I encourage you, stay with it. Stay with him even when it's hard. Even when it's hard. But before we take our time to look at today's hard truth, I want us to concentrate on this time of communion. To be reminded of who we follow. And to be reminded of how great his love is for each one of us. And in all of our hard truths, we want to see the heart of Jesus. But especially in the hard truth of today, we want to see his heart. Let's read from Matthew chapter 26. It says, as they were eating, Jesus took some bread and blessed it. Then he broke it into pieces and gave it to the disciples saying, take this and eat it for this is my body. And he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. He gave it to them and said, each of you drink from it. For this is my blood which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. Mark my words. I will not drink wine again until the day I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. When Jesus spoke these words, he was just hours away from the darkest moment in human history. Before the night was over, he will have been betrayed by a friend, denied by another. He will have been placed on trial and found guilty. He will have been nailed to a cross by Roman soldiers. And on the cross, he would die a criminal's death on display, public display, for everyone to see. Now there are a lot of questions surrounding this time that people might ask. Questions about his life and his death. But one of those questions that might come to the forefront of one's minds is, well, why did Jesus really have to die? Why did he have to die? Matthew is very clear in this passage in verse 28, reminding us that Jesus' death on the cross was all about our forgiveness. His death was about your forgiveness and my forgiveness. In fact, verse 28, speaking of the shed blood, Matthew says, It is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. You see, the result of Jesus' death on the cross was yours and my ability to be forgiven. And each Sunday, when we take this Lord's Supper, the piece of bread and the cup of juice, when we remember this, we have a chance to celebrate that forgiveness. And that celebration, I believe, is good. In fact, I think it is great. And the fact that no matter what we have done, that we can be forgiven provides us with a hope that goes beyond anything that this world has to offer. But this morning... As we think about the forgiveness that God gives to us, and as we prepare for today's hard truth, I kind of want to take it a step further. I want to go just a little bit deeper with it. Yes, Christ did buy forgiveness for us. He did it knowing that we would be in disobedience to him, that we would be dishonoring to him, that we would lie to him, that we would be unfaithful to him. 
But I also want to remind you this morning that as a result, in the same way, just as Jesus forgave us, we too need to forgive one another. So as a reminder of the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross, let's take communion together. In just a moment, I'm going to pray. And those of you that are watching from home, you take it however you want. But for the rest of us in the room, as soon as the prayer is over, you can peel that top layer of plastic off, get the little piece of cracker out of there, peel the next layer, and get the cup of juice out. But I'd like for you to have a direct prayer today. I would like you to think through this and pray this as we celebrate communion together. I you to pray this. Say, Jesus, thank you for forgiving my sin. Please prepare my heart to be willing to forgive others just as you have forgiven me. And Jesus, we take this moment to recognize what you did for us on the cross and to recognize the depth of your love for us, your willingness to deny yourself, to surrender to the will of the Father, to come to earth, to die for us so that our sins can be forgiven, so we can be washed clean, so we can be made new in your sight. So Jesus, thank you for forgiving my sin. Please prepare my heart to be willing to forgive others just as you've forgiven me. Amen. So last week in our teaching, we talked about giving up or denying ourselves and how we, as followers of Jesus, are to take up our cross and follow after him. And while denying ourselves may not be the thing that we most want to do, it's certainly the thing that we most need to do. In fact, it's what Jesus calls us to do. And when we deny ourselves, it is our response to the love that he has shown us and then the love that we get to show others in return. If you think about this, Jesus had nothing to gain by leaving his place in heaven, by living a sinless life on earth, and then dying on a cross so that we could have our sins forgiven. He gained nothing, but for us, there's everything for us to gain. Sadly, though, we live in a world where we as Christians don't always live or love like we have even gained our forgiveness. We live in a world where we, as Christians, often stay angry and hold grudges and live in resentment toward others for the things that they have done. And it shows no obvious difference between us and those who are not yet believers. 
Far too often we gather together on a Sunday morning or we go to our youth group or we go to our small group where we may experience the good news of the forgiveness that Jesus offers, but we've never been thoroughly convinced or convicted to life change. We've not allowed it to affect our living and to affect our loving. We fail to allow the forgiveness that we have received to change the way that we treat one another. As you may have figured out this week, we are talking about the hard truth of forgiveness. Not Jesus' forgiveness for us, but our forgiveness toward one another. Listen to this hard truth. We're going to be in the book of Matthew. You can follow along the slides or your paper Bible or your phone. If you don't own a paper Bible and you'd like one, there's some on the rack back in the back. You're welcome to get up and get one. If you have one of those Bibles, we're going to be on page 788. But it's Matthew chapter 18, starting in verse 21. And we're going to kind of hang out in 18 for a while today. Verse 21, then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? That's a fair question. Here we have Peter, one of Jesus' hand-picked followers, one who would be entrusted and commissioned to start his church, to build Jesus' church. A good Jewish boy who knew that the tradition was that three times of forgiveness was probably pretty doggone good. And here's Peter. We just got through doing a study on Peter. Peter, his heart really does want to follow after Jesus. And in this moment, I think that Peter was genuinely thinking that seven times forgiving somebody was more than generous. It was more than gracious. I mean, think about it. Wouldn't we? I mean, wouldn't we think that seven times would be great? I mean, would we be willing to forgive even seven times? We kind of got these little limitations that we put in for ourselves. Like, you know, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, right? Shame on me. Or some of us have kind of the three-strike policy, you know, three strikes, you're out. Like, I'm not going to forgive you anymore. Think about it. Nobody really wants to be burned and then have to forgive. And especially nobody wants to be burned a second time and forgive again or third time. See, this idea of forgiving seven times, goodness, that seems noble and it seems pure. Seems more than adequate. And I believe Peter thought so too. But listen to Jesus' reply in verse 22. Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. It's almost like Jesus got out the finger and said, uh, 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 you know, not seven, Peter, 70 times. Or 70 times seven. Think about it. That's hard. I mean, who does that? Who forgives over and over and over again? Now, we all know what it feels like to have somebody mess up and ask for forgiveness. Right? We've all experienced that. And we've experienced when they've asked for forgiveness over and over and over for the same thing. It's annoying. It's exhausting. But it's what we do in our relationship with Jesus Christ all the time. And it's what Jesus is calling us to do as believers. And it's hard. It's hard. As we look at these hard truths from Jesus, 
I want to be open. I want to be honest. I want to be transparent. If these hard truths are hard for you, trust me, they're hard for me. They're hard for me as well. And I think as we look at these hard truths from Jesus, we need to be real with one another. We need to realize that we can grow together by talking about them. We can grow together in our faith by sharing experiences. In today's message, I'm going to share a couple of truths about me that you may or may not know. I'm going to be transparent. When I think about denying myself by forgiving somebody 70 times 7, my mind immediately goes two different directions. Two directions. First, I'm reminded that I don't know my multiplication tables. True. You know, 5 times 5 is 25, 6 times 6 is 36. Yeah, I know a few of them. We're supposed to learn those in elementary school, I think, right? I really think you guys thought I was going to say something deeply spiritual and profound, didn't you? Right? Uh, I just never learned my multiplication tables. I wish I had. I don't know them. Don't ask me what 6 times 7 is because I'll have to do the math in my head and I'll still probably come up wrong. I genuinely don't know my tables. And most of the time I'm okay with it, except for once in a while. True story. This past week, um, I'm, I'm playing a game. It's after small group. We're playing Mexican train, you know, the domino game. And I am sitting next to a friend of mine, and he is literally calculating in his head the odds of the same person drawing the starting double domino in Mexican train three times in a row. Genius. And I'm trying to figure out six times seven. Don't judge me. Young people, if you don't have a phone yet, you will own one one day. And in it will be a calculator. That's a bad crutch. I encourage you, take nothing else from this sermon, learn your multiplication tables, please. The second thing I think of, though, in all seriousness, when I think about this idea of denying me by forgiving 70 times 7, is I realize that by nature I am a person who is high on justice. I'm a justice person. And it takes a lot of effort to give up my anger or to give up my desire to retaliate when somebody does wrong to me or to somebody that I love. And my guess is in a room this size with this number of people in it, uh, I'm not alone in that. Some of you struggle in this exact same way. All right, sometimes I think I would rather go back and learn all my multiplication tables than to be too quick to offer forgiveness. Maybe that's you too. But when I think about denying myself, I also recognize the forgiveness that Jesus has shown me. And it makes forgiving others a whole lot easier to do. One of my most memorable moments in serving alongside Josh Haltom for five years. Um, Josh was our former lead pastor for those of you that have showed up in the last seven or eight months. But one of my most memorable moments of serving alongside Josh was a moment I will never ever forget. And it, it had to do with forgiveness. It was a Monday morning. And it was my day off, and I was out working in my yard, and what had happened was just the night before, I'd been in a conversation with somebody, and it wasn't intentional, but in the conversation that they had just torn open some old emotional wounds. And I was out in my yard, and I was working, I was kind of processing the conversation from the night before, and suddenly, without warning, my feelings of unforgiveness toward these people who had hurt me and 
hurt my wife, they, they just bubbled to the surface. It wasn't something that I wanted. It wasn't some kind of malicious desire for revenge. It, I wasn't sitting around in my yard plotting evil or figuring out how to, you know, get all carried away with sin. See, in my mind, the offense was behind me. The, the forgiveness had already been, it had already been given, right? I, I had already done my best to, to move on, to surrender to God any desire for retaliation, to cast my resentment aside completely for the sake of the kingdom. And all I'm trying to do on this Monday morning is do my yard work. But I was a wreck. I was walking around my yard and I was bawling like tears just pouring down my face. And the tears kept falling and the resentment kept building and the hurt kept cutting deeper. I was nearly paralyzed with my emotion. And I'll never forget just calling up Josh and just crying on the phone to him. And we met for lunch. And in his talks with me, he asked me to do something. He told me to write down the names of the people that had hurt me. And he told me to write down the things that they had done. And then he asked me to do something that I really didn't want to do. He asked me to pray for them by name every day. Not pray that something bad would happen to them, but pray blessing for them every day. And then Josh says, give me a list of those people and those hurts. And I'm going to pray along for them with you. I'll be honest, guys. Did I want to do that? No. Not really. Not at that moment. i sure I wanted the pain to go away. I wanted the wounds to heal. But right then, in all total honesty, I didn't want to forgive them. Because all that stuff had resurfaced and it was hard. They'd hurt me. Man, they'd hurt my wife. They'd hurt the church. And my feelings told me that they didn't deserve forgiveness. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. And my friends, I got to tell you, when I recognized the forgiveness that Jesus had shown to me, it made forgiving them much easier to do. You know, there's a funny thing about the lack of forgiveness. You don't realize it or recognize it at the time, but when you choose to not forgive, when you hold on to it, when you cling to it tight, when you harbor it, when you anchor your defiant will to it and refuse to let it go, it doesn't even impact or affect the person that you're mad at or that you're frustrated with or that you've chosen not to forgive. Truth is, Choosing not to forgive is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. That Monday morning, in reality, the people who had caused me the hurt, I'm sure this was the farthest thing from their mind. They weren't giving a second's thought to the pain that I was experiencing or the pain that they had caused. They weren't the ones suffering that day. They weren't the ones bothered by my momentary lack of forgiveness. I was. And it was momentary. After a few days of praying for these people individually, my thoughts cleared, my emotions were back in check. I was no longer consumed or captivated with the harm that they had done. 
As advice columnist Ann Landers puts it, hanging on to resentment is letting someone you despise live rent-free in your head. But by letting go of it, I was no longer a slave to it. I was no longer controlled by it, no longer allowing resentment to live freely in my mind and also in my heart. Now I know in a room this size that there is hurt. I know that some of you came in this morning hurting badly. Your hurts have run deep. Your hurts are running deep. Maybe you were cheated on. You were lied to. You were abused physically, mentally, sexually. Maybe somebody robbed you of, of a family member, robbed you of your possessions, robbed you of your innocence or your purity. They've broken your heart. They've broken into your home. Maybe they've even broken your spirit. But in light of all that Jesus has forgiven each one of us of, he calls us to forgive the same way. Seventy times seven. When it comes to following Jesus, it's about self-denial. And because of the forgiveness that came through the cross... I give up my right to hate someone. I give up my right to hurt someone. I give up my right to retaliate against someone who hurts me. Let me say that again. Forgiveness is giving up my right to hurt, to hate, or retaliate. I wish it was easy, but it's not. That's a hard truth. You've heard the saying... Forgive and forget. Well, sometimes forgiving is the easy part. But the forgetting part is where it really, really, really gets tough. You see, not remembering is nearly impossible. And all it takes is a word or a reminder or a similar circumstance to trigger the hurt, to tear open the wound, to bring back the pain and the resentment that came with it. And it's at that time that we need to remember this hard truth from Jesus. That we are to forgive Again and again. And then when we want to be resentful, we forgive again. And then when we want to be filled with hatred, we forgive again. And then when we want to stay angry, we forgive again. Not seven times like Peter thought was noble and admirable. But 77 or seven times seven, as many times, as long as it takes. You see, when we choose to forgive, we stop investing energy and effort and time and thought and emotion into a person who more than likely does not even know that they've wronged us. And when we choose to forgive, it frees us from the anger and the frustration, the bitterness and the resentment that takes up our headspace and our heart space and has little to no impact or effect on the other person that we won't forgive. And friends, we need to remember that we have an enemy. His name is Satan, and we call him the devil. And he does not want us to forgive, but he certainly does not want us to forget. He is very content to trap us, to enslave us, to imprison us by our inability or, or, or unwillingness to forgive. But friends, it is only when we learn to forgive 70 times 7 that we can be free of that. That we can be free of him. Because that kind of forgiveness is what Jesus modeled for us at the cross. And that's what he does for each and every believer every time we sin. 
And just as our forgiveness from God sets us free from the bondage that our sin and our self hold us in, our choice to forgive sets us free from the emotional bondage the other person is holding us in. Let's go back to Matthew chapter 18, starting at verse 23. Jesus follows up his 70 times 7 command with this parable to bring home his point. He says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold, along with his wife and children and everything he owned to pay the debt. Verse 26. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, Please be patient with me, and I'll pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him, and he released him and forgave his debt. Verse 28, but when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time, be patient with me, and I will pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. Verse 31, when some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. Verse 35, that's what my heavenly father will do, Jesus says, will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Hard truth, hard truth. A couple years ago, there was a man who made the headlines. His name was George Floyd, perhaps you remember him. George Floyd was a gentleman from Minneapolis who was killed by Derek Chauvin and his death enraged the people who knew him, but more than that, it enraged people who had never met the man. It was a situation that was hard and it sparked outrage, it prompted mistrust and gave a lot of us the opportunity to show just how unforgiving we could be. I read an interview with his brother, Terrence Floyd, not too long ago, where Terrence had this to say. A lot of people wonder why, but I forgive Chauvin, Floyd said. Do I like what he did? No. But I will not be able to do the work that I need to do and make the change that I need to make for my culture, for my community, if I hold on that pain. So therefore, I forgive him. I release that from me. And when a later question came from the audience, asked him how exactly he could forgive his brother's killer, Floyd answered, forgiveness is not for the person, it's for you. If I go around talking about love and still hold that hate in my heart, what do they call that? A hypocrite. A hypocrite. You see, modern culture tells us that we should cling to and fight for our rights. That it's our right to stay angry. It's our right to stay full of hate. It's our right to not forgive. 
But the hard truth of Jesus is that we are to not to deny ourselves, that we are to give up our rights. You see, his death on the cross demonstrates that not only is it possible, that through him we have the ability to give up our rights, but it sets this precedent that if we claim to be imitators of his and followers of his, that you and I are supposed to do the exact same thing. Forgiveness, it's not easy, it's not natural, it's not normal, it's hard. And Jesus knew it, but yet he, he portrayed the magnitude of God's grace by dying on the cross so that we could portray that grace as well. Friends, forgiveness is hard. And ongoing 70 times 7 forgiveness is even harder. Yet, when we embrace this hard truth about forgiveness, it will change our lives. Let's pray. Jesus, nobody wants to be told to forgive because it's much more self-serving when we don't. But yet your hard truth lays it out for us. And if it was just the truth saying you guys need to forgive, you guys need to forgive 70 times 7, that'd be a really bitter pill to swallow. But because of the example that you set for us, because of what you did for us on the cross, because you willingly forgive us over and over and over and over again, we realize that we can too. But it's not by our sucking it up and not by our power, it's not by our own will that we're able to forgive. It's because we're chasing after you and because you've given us your Holy Spirit to come alongside us, to live within us and to move us. And he's continually conforming us into your image, Jesus. And we know you're a forgiving God. So help us to be a forgiving people. It's in your name we pray. Amen.